Hello, I'm D. David, welcoming you to Put It in a Book. This week's book is quite significant for two reasons. Because the time that we're in, simply the month of February, is the month that we celebrate black history. Yes, I understand that black history is celebrated 24-7-365, but in this country, it is recognized in February. And this book was written by one of the greatest, if not the greatest black leaders of all time, Martin Luther King. The other reason it's significant is because of our time. The title of this book is, Where Do We Go From Here? And in this current time of transition, we have an outgoing president and an incoming president whose ideologies are so different, so drastically opposed to one another. They have totally different ideologies on how this country should be run. This book, Where Do We Go From Here?, gives us an idea as to where we go from here regardless of which president is in office, regardless of which ideology is reigning over this country. In this book, Martin Luther King uses stories from the most challenging and interesting times during the organization and reorganization of the civil rights movement. His experiences gives us an insight as to how we should now strategize and organize and get ourselves together to move forward. You know, I remember, in school, and you'll remember too, we studied some of the greatest strategists, social strategists in history, Thoreau, Gandhi, Dalai Lama, and I'm sure, well I know for a fact, that Martin studied those men also, and he adopted some of their tactics, their nonviolent tactics, to use for the civil rights movement. Well, in this day and age, I think it's time that we start to adopt some of Martin Luther King's tactics to help us move forward in the struggle that we have ahead. In this book, you'll see, by telling stories that occurred in the 60s, he gives us ideas on how we can strategize and organize in the 2000s. The introduction was written by Vincent Harding. Vincent Harding was an American historian and he was one of Martin Luther King's friends. And in his own right, he was a social activist. The foreword, which I'll be reading, was written by MLK's beautiful wife, Coretta Scott King. I think I'm going to read, now the foreword is very short. So I'm going to read the foreword and I'm going to read part of chapter one because in chapter one, As Martin explains the events that occurred, you'll see what he did or how he strategized to move forward in spite of the confusing times. Where do we go from here? Coretta Scott King's forward. It was characteristic of my husband that in 1967, when confusion in the civil rights struggle abound, he would undertake a book titled, Where Do We Go From Here? He not only took the responsibility for leadership, he toiled vigorously to offer discerning leadership. In this book, he piercingly revealed the cause of our national discord, placing it squarely on the ingrained white racism of American society. He made 
discrimination, and poverty the central focus of his attacks. A year later, spending nearly a million dollars with a huge staff, the National Advisory Commission on Civil Disorders was to come to the same essential conclusion. In this work, Martin Luther King Jr. stresses the common cause of all the disinherited, white and black, laying the basis for the contemporary struggles now unfolding around economic issues. He spoke out sharply for all the people in all their hues, for he knew if color made them different, misery and oppression made them the same. The book is remarkably contemporary also in its treatment of international relations. Martin here discusses poverty as a source of world instability and the arrogance of wealthy nations toward the deprived world. It is our common tragedy that we have lost his prophetic voice, but it would compound the tragedy if the lessons he did articulate are now ignored. The glowing spirit and the sharp insights of Martin Luther King Jr. are embodied in this book. The solutions he offered can still save our society from self-destruction. I hope that it will be seen as a testament and that the grief that followed his death will be transmuted to a universal determination to realize the economic and social justice for which he so willingly gave his life. Coretta Scott King. Chapter One by Martin Luther King Jr. On August 6, 1965, the President's Room of the Capitol could scarcely hold the multitude of white and Negro leaders crowding it. President Lyndon Johnson's high spirits were marked as he circulated among the many guests who he had invited to witness an event he confidently felt to be historic, the signing of the 1965 Voting Rights Act. The legislation was designed to put the ballot effectively into Negro hands in the South after a century of denial by terror and evasion. The bill that lay on the polished mahogany desk was born in violence in Selma, Alabama, where a stubborn sheriff handling Negroes in the Southern tradition had stumbled across the future. During a violent demonstration for voting rights, the sheriff had directed his men in tear gassing and beating the marchers to the ground. The nation had seen and heard and exploded in indignation. In protest, Negroes and whites marched 50 miles through Alabama and arrived at the state capital of Montgomery in a demonstration 50,000 strong. President Johnson described Selma as a modern concord, addressed a joint session of Congress before a television audience of millions. He pledged that we shall overcome and declared that the national government must by law ensure to every Negro his full rights as a citizen. The Voting Rights Bill of 1965 was the result. In signing the measure, the president announced that today is a triumph for freedom as huge as any victory that's ever been won on any battlefield. Today, we strike away the last major shackle of fierce and ancient 
responds. One year later, some of the people who had been brutalized in Selma and who were present at the capital ceremonies were leading marches in the suburbs of Chicago amid a rain of rocks and bottles among burning automobiles to the thunder of jeering thousands, many of them waving Nazi flags. A year later, some of the Negro leaders who had been present in Selma and at the capital ceremonies no longer held office in their organizations. They had been discarded to symbolize a radical change of tactics. A year later, the white backlash had become an emotional electoral issue in California, Maryland, and elsewhere. In several southern states, men long regarded as political clowns had become governors or only narrowly missed election. Their magic achieved with a witch's brew of bigotry, prejudice, half-truths, and whole lies. Man, does that not sound familiar? <laughs> 1965-2016 During the year, white and Negro civil rights workers had been murdered in several southern communities. The swift and easy acquittals that followed for the accused had shocked much of the nation but sent a wave of unabashed triumph through Southern segregationist circles. Many of us wept at the funeral services for the dead and for democracy. I think that's enough. Chapter one, I think you get the idea where Martin is going in telling stories of a past that can be easily related to the current. And that's why this book is so significant. Uh, it gives us a blueprint, a strategy, as to what happened then, how they survived then, and where we go from here. I'll conclude, as usual, with a quote from Socrates. Employ your time in improving yourself by other men's writings, so that you shall gain easily what others have labored hard for. Again, thank you for listening. Don't forget to read the book. Go to my page, put it in the book, leave some comments. Thank you. <laughs>